Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This episode of the Single Tracks podcast is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health conscious people like you get special life insurance rates. Go to healthiq.com slash singletracks to support the show and to learn more. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Single Tracks podcast. I'm your host for today, Aaron Chamberlain, and I'm joined by Jeff and Greg. It's been a little bit since the three of us have been together on a podcast. A lot of us have been out of the office for various reasons. So anyway, today's episode, we're going to answer a question that we get all the time, which is, which bike should I buy? We get this on the forums, we get it in person, we get it on Facebook, we get it in comments on articles. So I thought maybe it'd be fun to imagine that we had a little bit of money in our pocket and we were going to go buy a new bike. So have some guidelines in place for this. We tried to keep a reasonable price. I know some of you will scoff at the saying a $4,000 max price is reasonable. That's pretty crazy uh, that that's kind of like a mid-range bike these days, but that's the world we live in. So we're going to go through a few different categories. We're going to do a hardtail XC. So that's a purpose-built you know, cross-country race bike. We're going to do a Trail 27.5, a Trail 29, all-mountain slash enduro, a downhill bike, a money's no object. So that would be basically our dream bike. And we're also going to do uh, a budget pick. So that will be a bike that is $1,500 or less. And we're also going to give you kind of the reasoning behind why we chose the bikes, um, if we've ridden it, some key stats and some components and stuff like that. So um, with that, let's get this started with our, our hardtail slash oddball pick. Greg, what'd you pick for that one? My top hardtail pick, basically for this one, I envisioned, all right, if I'm a rider and I know I want to buy a hardtail and I have a budget of up to $4,000, what hardtail would I then purchase? And my number one pick has to be the Pivot Less Fat with the Race XT1 buy build, and that rings in at $3,500. Now, the reason I chose this bike is because uh, my hardtail pick has to be a fat bike because it's great for riding in the winter. It's super versatile, but I chose the less fat because it has built-in sliding dropouts to adjust the geometry to any fat bike tire size or plus bike tire size. So you could easily use this bike all year round and not have to run fat tires. You could throw a 27.5 plus on there, 29 plus on there, but you get to adjust the geometry for it, which is often overlooked and that can be pretty important. For the $3,500 price, you also get a full carbon frame, uh, an original carbon fork, solid parts kit with an XT11 speed drivetrain, and you can also have the opportunity to upgrade to a Bluetooth suspension fork, and if you look around, you can probably make that happen and come pretty close to the $4,000 ceiling, so depending on exactly how much you want to spend in there. So if I had that much money and that I wanted to buy a hardtail, that's probably the way I would go. Cool. Sounds like a solid pick. Have you ridden the less fat? I haven't yet. I would like to. I haven't had a chance though. I believe Michael Paul has reviewed it on the website before if anybody wants to check that out. But, you know, since it's a, you know, it's a fat bike, it's got pretty modern looking fat bike geometry. You know, the ride quality is going to be pretty much that's what you got. But no surprises. You look at those. Yeah, there's not going to be any big surprises, but you're getting carbon frames, some solid parts, and that versatility for a $3,500 price seems like a pretty good choice to me. Cool. What about you, Jeff? What'd you pick? So my pick is, I guess, a little bit more budget-friendly. I would go with a Surly Wednesday, and this is also a fat bike. It's a steel frame, um, and... I got a chance to ride the Wednesday at Interbike back in 2016, and I, I just really enjoyed it. I've ridden a lot of fat bikes, uh, mostly not in the snow. So I've ridden a lot of fat bikes, but I've only ridden a fat bike in the snow once, which is really weird. Um, <laughs> but this this the Wednesday was great on the dry trails in the desert there in Las Vegas on the little short test loop that I went on. But you know, the thing I love about the bike is it's really versatile. It's fun to ride. You know, it's not, 
the geometry is is pretty relaxed, uh, you know, for a hardtail especially. And what I like too is it has a lot of brazons, so a lot of places you can stick racks and water bottle cages on it and all kinds of stuff like that. And because it's a fat bike, because it's steel, it's pretty bomb proof. Um, I think the components, I believe it has mechanical disc brakes, which I'm a fan of because, you know, you don't have to bleed them. Like something goes wrong, you just throw another cable on it. And the drivetrain itself is, you know, it's an entry level kind of SRAM drivetrain, but again, pretty bomb proof, easy to work on, easy to get parts for and replace. So yeah, that's, that's my pick. My second choice would probably be something like a surly big dummy. Uh, so I could haul more stuff around, but I don't know if that really counts as a mountain bike. It does have <laughs> mountain bike tires, right? Uh, you could put some on there for sure. And they make a, make a big fat dummy now too, which has fat bike wheels and tires on it. Yeah. That bike's already so heavy and, I, you know, especially dude. once you load it with cargo, <laughs> I don't think I want to make it a fat bike and make it even yeah. harder to pedal. But, yeah. But we, yeah, one of our friends just got one. Let's really slow Atlanta, things down. Which is, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. No, you just have to add a motor and then you're good to go. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so I chose something probably a little more oddball. It's the Trek 1120. Not really a cool name, but this is in their sort of touring line of bikes. It's sort of based on the stash. So this bike is completely rigid. It runs 29 plus wheels, which will help soften the ride a little bit. But the cool thing about this is it's basically a dedicated bike packing bike. So it comes with uh, a rack on the front and racks on, I believe, the rear uh, seat stays on each side. So it really makes strapping gear to your bike really easy. And I've really gotten to bikepacking the past couple of years. So, um, yeah, if I was going to get get a, a hardtail or, or some kind of funky bike, I think it would it'd, it'd be that one. It just the appeal of being able to easily throw your gear on a bike is is I guess appealing. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean that's a great idea too for people who haven't done bike packing but want to get into it. I mean it's like a complete kit. It's appealing to me too if I ever did want to get into bike packing cuz the, the limited stuff I've done too, the biggest hassle is just keeping your stuff on your bike, you know, like always adjusting straps and then when you stop getting stuff out and then putting everything back together. That takes a lot of the fun out of it for me. So if I had a rig that came dialed in and everything fits and it's made for that bike. I think that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, it looks really, really well thought out. Like the, you basically just throw dry, ba- dry bags on the racks and strap them down, and you're you're ready to go. It's got got a pretty solid build. It's mostly a Shimano SLX drivetrain. Comes with a dropper post, which is a nice touch. And part of the reasoning behind the bike and putting the racks, like the integrated racks, on the back of the bike was so you could use a dropper post because using a seat bag on a Bikepacking bike, which you know most most people with bikepack will will do. You can sort of use your dropper sometimes, but it definitely complicates things unless you have certain harnesses that are are designed to use with a dropper post. But then you know those cost more money. So yeah, one one potential drawback is maybe the press fit bottom bracket. I've had pretty good luck with most press fit bottom brackets, but they aren't really nearly as field serviceable as a threaded bottom bracket. And be something to consider if you're bike packing in Peru or something like that. <laughs> so yeah, all right, cool. So we've got a, a carbon fiber fat bike, a steel fat bike, and an aluminum twenty nine plus bike. So that's a pretty diverse list. I'd say so. All right, moving on. So our next category is cross country race. Uh, I know none of us are really big cross country racers. I I used to be, but I kind of moved more into. Um, endurance and stage racing. Uh, so a little different than your standard cross country race. But if someone did give you, or if we, we were told we had to buy a cross country race bike, what would you guys pick? So when I think about, you know, the spectrum of mountain bikes, I tend to think about them as like a bell curve. And, you know, on one end of the curve, you know, it's, it's very narrow. In the middle, you've got a lot of people, a lot of bikes. And then the other end, it's very narrow. And so I see XC race and DH is sort of like the very outer tips of these bell curves. So if you're one of those people that's not the average person, you're on the outside of the bell curve, you probably want to spend a bit more money uh, on your bike. So for XC race, I would choose a Scott Spark. And for reasoning, I mean, how do two Olympic gold medals sound in any number of world championship and uh, 
World Cup wins under Nino Schurter and Jenny Rizvedz. I mean, the bike is extremely proven. You can get it in either 100 or 120 mil travel, depending on what you're looking for. Uh, I've ridden it in a couple different modes, and I've loved the suspension design and loved the bike overall. And again, you can spend about as much as you want on a Spark going down to about 2700 on the low end. And while I know we talked about keeping under 4000 you can, you know, if you're on that XC race and you want to win some XC races, this is an example of where you might want to spend six to $9,000 on a bicycle um, because, it, again, it's at the um, extreme end of what I would consider the bell curve to be. Because if you're not interested in winning XC races, I would say you should just go buy a trail bike. But, you know, that's sort of my analysis of it. All right. Some interesting reasoning there. What about you, Jeff? What would you get? So I've managed to find another pretty reasonable bike. <laughs> this might be a theme with Jeff. Maybe. No, I think I got closer to 4000 on most of my other picks. But uh, for this one, yeah, I'm like you guys. I'm not really an XC race guy anymore. Maybe I would have identified that way at one point. But for that reason... You know, I picked I picked the Moto Bikane Fly Team, and Moto Bikane is the house brand from Bikes Direct. We get a lot of questions about that as well. People asking if these you know Bikes Direct bikes are a good deal, or you know if it's legit. Their website looks terrible. Like it looks like a <laughs> you know it looks yeah. You're not quite sure where you're ordering. Yeah, from. it looks like a scam for sure. <laughs> but uh, I can tell you that I've reviewed actually the Moto Bikane Fly Team. It was a couple of years ago. It's actually a different build than the one that they're selling right now. But this is a this is a titanium cross country race bike, and get this, it's under fifteen hundred bucks. So the one that I tested a couple of years ago was actually uh, like thirty five hundred dollars. So this bike has come down a lot in price. The spec isn't quite as good as it used to be, uh, but you're still getting you know a SRAM XO drivetrain. It is two by ten, which I'm not a fan of, but some people are, and maybe maybe that's good for XC racing. I don't know. Could be, yeah. If there's yeah. flat courses, you want to... Yeah, so yeah. maybe it makes sense for that. Again, I'm not the target market for that, but um, I can definitely see how it would be helpful. And then because it, because it's only 1500 bucks, you know, you would still have some money left over to get carbon bars, carbon seat posts. Both of the ones that the bike come with are alloy. But even with alloy bars, a two-by drivetrain... The bike, they still claim it weighs less than 24 pounds, which is really awesome for a bike that's yeah. under 1500 bucks, And it has a suspension fork. We're not talking a rigid bike here either or anything like that. So, yeah, seems like a good choice. And if you did have 4000 bucks burning a hole in your pocket, you buy this bike and get, a, get an Eagle drivetrain, like I said, get some carbon bars. And the other thing, the thing I would honestly do if this were a bike that I were buying, I would buy the bike as it is ride it all the time. And then as stuff breaks or, you know, as I'm feeling the itch to upgrade, you know, just swap out parts as I go. So yeah, it seems like a really good place to start though, for sure. Jeff's saving money for race entry fees, which is not a bad idea. All right. My choice is the Canyon Exceed CF SL 7.0 Pro Race. Oh man, sorry. That's a long name. So Canyon is a relatively new to the US company. They're a consumer direct brand. They've been around for years in Germany and Europe. But this particular bike, I really struggled between choosing a hardtail or a full suspension. The frame material isn't necessarily high on my list. Um, but even when I was looking at, you know, uh, aluminum, cross-country full suspension bikes, like this thing just blew it out, out of the water in terms of the components on it. So again, it's a hardtail, so you you're 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 not getting any rear suspension, but you're getting a lighter bike. So and if you're doing true cross-country racing, maybe you don't need a full suspension. But yeah, this bike is 3300 bucks, but it's absolutely killer spec for the money. The only house branded components on it are the stem, the handlebar and the grips, which is pretty much par for the course. Uh, but the rest of the build, we're talking a SRAM X01 Eagle drivetrain with X01 Eagle carbon cranks. It's got a full DT Swiss wheel set, Maxxis tires, and it even comes with a KS dropper post, which is a really nice touch. Um, because even on a cross country bike, you know, it's, it's helpful to have a dropper post because you can go faster downhill and cross country is all about going fast. So you want to go fast up, you want to go fast down. You know, it doesn't really look like they cut 
any corners on this bike. That's something that the consumer direct selling model allows them to do for better or worse. Personally, I'd probably prefer a Fox 32 fork on there instead of the RockShox SID, but that would probably raise the price. The Fox just, I think it rides a little smoother than the SID does, but after all, it is a race bike. So that would suffice for going fast. Okay, we're going to take a quick break right here, and then we'll be back with the rest of our picks. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for mountain bikers. Just like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. Hey, Aaron, what's the longest mountain bike ride you've ever done? Pretty long, Jeff. I think it was like 345 miles. Got me beat. Personally, my first and last 100-mile bike ride was the Cahutta 100. Turns out that Health IQ looks at mountain bike race finishes to help you get a great rate on a life insurance policy. That's right, Jeff. You don't necessarily have to ride 100 miles either. If you're racing or even just riding regularly, you can share that data with Health IQ to get exclusive rates from top life insurance companies. In fact, 56% of Health IQ's customers saved money on their life insurance. The savings can be pretty substantial, up to 33% for qualifying individuals, which should free up some cash for that carbon wheel upgrade I've been wanting to do. You should definitely upgrade. So how does the process work? It's actually pretty simple. Visit healthiq.com slash singletracks, enter some basic information, and a Health IQ agent will call you to walk you through the process to get a quote. And they'll continue helping through the entire process of selecting a policy. They won't just forward you on to an insurer. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash singletracks and be sure to mention the promo code singletracks when you talk to one of their helpful agents. All right, our next category is a trail 27.5. So this could be, I'm, I'm guessing most of us chose uh, uh, full suspensions here, but I guess it could be a uh, hardtail as well. So what would you guys pick? Jeff, what would you choose? Do I really have to choose a 27.5 trail bike? Yeah, dude, you do. I'm I, sorry. I want a 29er, but... Well, you have that category too. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't know if people pay attention to wheel size as much as they used to. Hopefully people aren't, you know, going around saying... Have you I, read comments on the internet? Uh, I try not to. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a good thing. <laughs> try but, to avoid it. But yeah, I mean, hopefully people don't go around saying, I need a 27.5 trail bike. And I'm not going to look at anything that's 29. I mean, maybe you could. I I probably do that to some degree because I already have invested in 29er wheels and I See? guess just wheels. Just wheels. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, that's all it is. So maybe even that's not a good reason. But I will play along. However, I'm going to cheat a little bit and pick a 27.5 plus bike. Mm. And the one that I like is this Dump Jumper Comp 6 Fatty. And I rode a Stump Jumper 6 Fatty recently and really, really liked it. It's probably my favorite specialized bike that I've ever ridden. But then again, that was like the S-Works version, which is way outside our budget. Yeah. Was that like 9,000 bucks? Yeah. I think so. Close to it. (laughs) So yeah, you could, you could buy a couple of bikes at least for that amount. But you know, the comp version, it's really, I mean, it's the same bike essentially with the same geometry and everything. And it, the comp version, it's 3500 bucks, but it's still all carbon. You got the neat little SWAT storage box on the down tube where you can stash all your gear and the burrito holster. Exactly. And it's got, it's still got one by 11 drivetrain and it has a really good dropper post. I like the specialized command post, the ones that I've used. So yeah, that's, that's what I would get. Hopefully I didn't break too many rules with that pick. <laughs> that's all right. Greg, what about you? Honestly, I'm going to be even more obstinate than Jeff, and I'm going to say I'm not going to choose a 27.5 trail bike. Like, if you're going to go with the smaller wheels, I would put the smaller wheels on like a longer travel bike and the bigger wheels on the shorter travel bike. Like, that's how I go about it. And technically, the bike I'm going to choose for my baller build um, in a few minutes is available with 27.5 wheels and would come in at under our 150 mil range. So it could qualify. But you can also get with 29-inch wheels. So I'll talk more about that in a little bit. So personally, yeah, not a big fan of 27.5 short travel trail bikes. But long travel enduro bikes, now we're talking a little bit different. Okay. Well, you guys are really, really disappointing me. Yeah, so we did say for this category I should have mentioned 
we're saying max rear travel of 150 millimeters because that, while in some cases that could be considered an enduro bike, in other cases it's not. So it's kind of kind of a mushy area. But I chose a bike because you know what? I like 27.5. I like 29 too, but you know, 27.5 is cool. So I chose the Diamondback Release 4C. This is a new bike for uh, Diamondback. Well, I guess the release has been around for a year or two now, but they just released it in carbon. And I've ridden the aluminum version of it, and it was, it was a totally fun bike. But you know what? It was pretty dang heavy. So maybe moving to this carbon frame, they've shaved some weight. And the main reason I chose it, honestly, it's 3000 bucks for this bike. And you're getting a full carbon frame. You're getting Fox suspension front and rear. You're getting a Shimano SLX drivetrain, a KLS Lev dropper, a WTB saddle, Ergon grip. So they didn't even, you know, stick some house brand components there. They really give you a lot of bike for the money. Probably the, the wheel set. I think it has diamond, diamondback rims and some Joytech or something, you know, kind of, uh, entry level hubs, but, you know, just bash the wheels until they're, ruined and use that extra thousand dollars that you didn't spend on the bike and get a really nice wheel set for it so it's got a 130 mil rear travel 150 front which i've ridden a few bikes like this it's kind of similar to maybe the uh, santa cruz 5010 something along those lines the ibis mojo 3 just a fun little snappy trail bike so um yeah 66 degree head tube angle really short chain stays 425 millimeters pretty good reach um not super long but um i can see kind of why they didn't they didn't lengthen it out too much because it is you know it is a trail bike it's not not designed to be a full-on enduro bike so that that's what i'd go with all right our next category is the trail 29 and i think what do we say 140 cap for the rear with 29 wheels because really above that you're kind of starting to move into the enduro category so hopefully you know, you guys played along with our little game here and picked some good bikes. So, Greg, what what'd you pick for the Trail 29? I, I'm playing along in this category because I'm personally pretty stoked on this category. I think there's a lot of good bikes out there in this range. But one of the best that I've personally ridden in this category is the YT Jeffsy. I rode it in California for a couple days, and I really, really liked it a lot. It's got 140 mil rear travel, so maxing out on our max but still qualifying the suspension design i found to be very progressive so felt like i had a lot more when you did bigger hits drops and that sort of thing but it climbed pretty well because it wasn't too heavy and it wasn't too long travel so i thought it was a really good blend of a lot of the best things you can get from this category for geometry we're talking about a 67 67 and a half head to angle depending on where you set the little flip chip about a 75 degree seat tube angle and 435 mil chain stays and the model i'd probably choose is similar to the one i rode which is a cf 129 and that gets you a carbon frame and a pretty solid build kit for 3500 bucks which is a very good deal in my opinion you can get something similar from specialized but you might mix and match your components a little bit so for that price, you get a Pike Fork, Monarch Rear Shock, uh, X1 11-speed drivetrain, and uh, generally all-around good parts and a dropper post. I would hope maybe we'll see the GX Eagle be debuted on some of the um, bikes in this price point and the YT line soon, um, but not yet. They're probably selling through their stock before they roll a new model because they don't run on model years. So hopefully we see a little bit of bump up there. But I think 3500 bucks for that bike is a pretty solid deal. And also personally, since we're talking sort of personal preferences and recommendations in this podcast, of any bikes in this discussion that I want to spend my own money on, this is probably my top pick currently. You know, Not only do I think it's a great price and a really bomber bike, but right now this is re- really where it's hitting my own personal riding style. Uh, because I'm finding with these slack bikes and these progressive geometry designs, you can descend really fast through a lot of gnar without having to have like the absolute maximum amount of suspension travel. So pretty stoked on that bike. Nice. Good choice. What about you, Jeff? 
Well, I'm going to change my pick now. I think Greg convinced me that YT <laughs> Jeffsy is the best trail 29. <laughs> and it's, it's like your name, right? Right. It's got a great name too. So I should have picked it, but I went with a safer pick and chose the Trek Fuel EX 9.7. The Toyota Camry of mountain bikes. Exactly. And nothing that's, wrong with that. Right. And that's what I, that's what I wanted to say about it is that there are a ton of people that own this bike and pretty much everybody loves it. You know, this is probably the most reviewed bike that we have on single tracks, you know, where people write in their own reviews and give stuff star ratings. You know, it's every year it's the the most reviewed bike, I'm pretty sure. And they're all really good reviews. So you can't really argue with that. At my size, I would ride like an extra large Trek puts a 150 millimeter dropper post on it, which is pretty awesome. You know, I'm finding I always want more drop on my dropper posts. No matter how much you give me, I want it to drop even more <laughs> because dropper posts are awesome and you get a lot more, definitely get a lot more use out of it uh, the more you can drop it out of the way. So that's a really nice feature. Like Greg said, this one is also specced with an 11-speed drivetrain, but I'm hoping maybe soon they will you know, go with the Eagle drivetrain on it, a GX, uh, because it should fit in this price point. At thirty seven hundred bucks, you know, it's it's right up there with the right up against our budget constraint. But because it's Trek, they're a big company and honestly their bikes that they sell, they're good values. You know, they buy in bigger quantities than most anybody else does and so they get better prices on components and their factories are more efficient and you know, all that business. So you know, whatever they're charging for bikes, it's usually it's usually a pretty good deal. And so you know, in my opinion, the Fuel EX 9.7 is no exception. The only sort of letdown for me on this bike is the tire selection. Uh, Trek uses Bontrager tires pretty much on every bike that they sell now. Bontrager is their sort of house brand. Uh, but even within their own line, there are some tires are better than others. And the ones that they spec on the 9.7 Fuel EX are the XR4s. And I would just like to see a little bit beefier tire on it, uh, which would be like the SE4. Similar tire design, but just a little bit, a little bit more stout, so you can go a little faster, ride through some chunkier stuff. Cool. So is that a is that a carbon frame or an aluminum frame? Do you know off the top of your head? No, I should have looked that up. <laughs> All right. Well, that's okay. We'll let you slide on that one. I'm guessing it's carbon. Yeah, good picks. I I I've ridden a bunch of different fuels, and I've pretty much enjoyed them all. So I, that's a, it's a good safe pick and, um, I've not ridden the Jeff C. Um, so it's, it's cool to hear that you like it, uh, Greg, cause I've ridden the, the Capra and it wasn't, it was a good bike, but I wasn't quite riding it in the right area for it. Uh, it was kind of like a, a rolling trail whereas the Capra is their big enduro bike and it kind of needs a lot more room to run and a, and a, and much steeper grades than I was on. So my pick is a bike that, you know, kind of like Greg, if I was spending my own money, it would, it'd probably be this bike or something very similar to it. Um, I chose the Transition Smuggler with their GX build. This bumps up right against it. So it's $3,999. So with tax, we'd be over that, uh, that 4,000 price point, but you know, tax, maybe you can, you can haggle and, and get it down a little bit. Buy it in Oregon, right? Is that where yeah, there, no sales tax? <laughs> there is no, yeah, no sales tax in Oregon and no income tax in Washington. So you should live in Vancouver, Washington <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just go buy all your stuff in Oregon. Yeah. My, my reasoning for it is I've ridden this bike. Granted, not the latest version. They just updated them, um, this fall, changed the geometry a little bit. I think maybe added a touch more travel to it, but transitions, they're just a cool company and they make really fun bikes. That's what they're, they're known for. They have a really irreverent attitude. If you've seen any of their marketing, any of their videos, they're really goofy. They poke fun at the industry and themselves and just like to have fun and ride bikes. And that's what I like about mountain biking. So they're just, they're a cool brand. This particular bike is an aluminum bike, which again, like I said, I don't, I don't place a high priority on frame material. And I actually maybe even lean towards aluminum just because I think, uh, yeah, it can, can take a beating uh, a little bit better than carbon often. And actually their spec, transition spec for this bike for 2018 is better than it is for 2017 and the prices went down. So I don't know, maybe maybe transition kind of like 
moved another rung up the ladder in terms of their buying power. But that's cool to see. It's good news for riders. And they also, one thing I noticed when I was doing research for this podcast was they're now selling through their website, which is good for riders that want to transition and don't have a dealer in their local area, which is a, a lot of us, unfortunately, uh, at least here in the Southeast. So yeah, for this four grand, you're getting a pretty good build. You're getting Fox suspension, front and rear, SRAM GX Eagle drivetrain. So you're getting a nice 12 speed drivetrain, ton of range on that, obviously. You get a race face bar and stem. You get a reverb dropper post. You get nice wide 30 millimeter E13 rims. You get nice Maxxis Minion tires. So there's not really uh, anything to fault with the bike. It's 120 mil rear travel, 140 front. Like I said, it's a, it's a 29er, uh, obviously, this is a category. 66-degree head tube angle, which is basically in line with current trends, maybe slightly slacker. Decently short chain stays at 430 mil, and one of the things I like about it a lot is it has a huge reach. It's got 475 millimeter reach on it for the size large, which is what I would ride. And, yeah, big fan of the the long reach on on trail bikes, personally. So, yeah. All right. Just to review those picks, Greg had the Jeff C. Jeff didn't have the Jeff C. He had the Trek Fuel, and I chose the Transition Smuggler. Just an update. I did check, and the fuel is carbon, but with an alloy rear triangle. FYI. I also checked, and I would push back on the value of the Trek versus the Jeff C. Um, because the Trek has a. Hey, hey, hey. I said <laughs> the Jeff C was a better pick. You don't need to justify it. You don't need to rub it in. Fair yeah. enough. You get a bit better components for your dollar, but again, that's a direct-to-consumer model versus the dealer model probably coming into play. Right, and you know, I think we'll we'll continue to see that whole business model evolve. But I think a lot of people are probably still more comfortable going into a bike shop and and buying from a store where they can go and see and touch the product and ride it and talk to the people at the shop and stuff like that. So, all right. Our next category is enduro or all mountain, whatever you want to call it. So Jeff, what, what enduro bike would you get? So I recently did a test where I rode five different enduro bikes in the span of 24 hours. Enduro. Yep. And I, I was whispering that to myself the entire time that I was riding around. It was a lot of fun, but, uh, yeah. So if you read that article or that sort of series of posts about those bikes, you'll know that the Santa Cruz Nomad was my favorite of those enduro bikes. And based on our survey data too, it's, it's probably one of the top three enduro bikes in terms of uh, what consumers are saying right now. So seems like a really solid pick to me at our price range. Unfortunately, you're going to have to get the lowest level Nomad that there is the entry level Nomad, which is 3,599 American dollars which there's That's nothing entry level. Yeah. There's nothing entry level about that price. And to be honest, I, none of the components are very good on it. You know, they're all, you know, they just put them on there to get to that price point, I think. And, uh, nothing, nothing to get really excited about, but the way I look at it, it's sort of like buying the cheapest house on the block and then fixing it up over time. And so that's probably what I would do with this bike. Um, so yeah, I mean, if I only had four thousand bucks and I wanted an enduro bike, I would I would get the best one and then, you know, upgrade it over time. Maybe you'd be doing like an episode of Flip This Bike. Yeah, exactly. So we talked a little bit about it in our um, enduro bikes podcast, but uh, what what was it that you liked so much about the Nomad? Because you were you you came back from Charlotte super stoked on that bike. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of travel. It's one hundred and seventy millimeters, I think, which is that's like upper end of the enduro range, but it just, it climbed well enough, uh, for 170 millimeter bike. I didn't feel like I was fighting it or that it was wandery on the climbs or any of those sort of negative things you get with bikes that are that slack and have that much suspension. And then also just the way the suspension is set up, it just felt really smooth. Like it smooths out everything from the big stuff, which you would expect to, even the small stuff, you know, the trails we ride around here often have a lot of roots and little rocks. We don't have like big rocks, you know, like you do out West. Uh, but the, you know, the roots and the, the small rocks, they just beat you up over time. And the Nomad just seemed to smooth that out better than any of the other bikes that I rode, except maybe the Santa Cruz Bronson, uh, which I think is 
maybe one of my other picks in this list. So, uh, yeah, Santa Cruz, they definitely have their suspension dialed, and so I'm a big fan. Cool. Greg, what'd you pick? So I picked the Ibis Mojo HD4, which I just finished testing. Um, but to preface it, before I get into the performance, what I found most impressive when I started looking at this list is the price you can get the Ibis for. So the Ibis, they just have one frame, you know, whereas like the Nomad, you've got the entry level aluminum frame. They've got the one frame, their high end carbon frame, and that's it. But you can get a one by 11 NX build kit for $4,099 MSRP and on sale for less than that online. So you can get it for under a $4,000 cap. But that comes with your nicest frame, you know, as nice as the nicest mojo. Uh, it also comes with great suspension. It comes with a Fox 34 or 36 fork, rather. Not Kashima, but a very nice 36. Float X2 rear shock, a dropper post, and solid brakes. Solid, pretty solid wheels and tires. I mean, it's a heck of a bike for $4,000. I was actually surprised when I found that price. So I'm, I was actually really impressed with the fact that Ibis is offering that bike for that amount of money. I feel like their prices have come down a little bit over the last couple of years in that respect you can still spend more uh you can get a gx eagle drivetrain and a few other upgrades for forty eight hundred dollars and you can keep going up from there but four thousand at the base is pretty solid and for a bike that's very very rideable the other things i really liked about this bike in testing were that to me it felt very balanced as an enduro bike like i can easily pedal this bike uphill and that's how i do most of my enduro rides as i they're all human powered up the mountain and then back down some shelves to be had but for where they chose their geometry is very balanced not too wandery but still super capable on the descents and super capable overall the other thing that puts me over the edge is the gear storage on this bike uh, like for instance i like the yeti sb6 but you can't put anything in that frame whereas with the HD4, even on a size medium that I rode, I think even on the size small, you can put a water bottle in the frame. And for the other triangle, if you look at the design, there's two mainframe triangles. You can now stick what they call a pork chop frame bag in there and just sort of sticks in there with wires. And I checked out uh, dudes that bumped into on the trail. Looks pretty slick. So I'm just pretty stoked on the work Ibis is doing, quality of the bike, but then also the price you can get it for. So. That's my choice. Nice. Also, finally, I want to throw in here because it's going to be relevant in a minute. 64.9 degree head tube angle, 74.9 seat tube angle, and 430 mil chain stays. Cool. Yeah, I think the uh, the reason you can't store anything on the Yeti is because once you buy a Yeti, you don't have money for anything else. So. Hello. Hello. <laughs> yeah. No, no getting that for $4,000 either. So, you know, that's another factor there. Sorry, Yeti. I was just kidding. Uh, all right. My pick for this is the new version of a bike I already own, actually. Uh, it's the Kona Process 153, and this is the Deluxe 27.5 model, because they actually now make a 29 version. But this is, this is an aluminum frame. They do have a carbon version, but it, it uh, was out of our price range for the purposes of this discussion. So this model is $3,600. You have pretty good spec on that all around. It's 153 millimeter rear travel, 160 mil fork, so it's same as same as my bike. 66 degree head tube angle, 425 millimeter chain stays, 475 millimeter reach on the size large, which is one of the f- only things they changed from the version that I have, which I think is whatever the first year of it was, maybe the 2014. So they they kind of found a winner with the geometry, and Kona was one of the early large companies to be an early adopter of the long, low and, and slack trend. And like I said, you know, my, my bike that's now what, three or four years old at this point is still pretty modern, um, by today's standards. This one has a little bit longer reach, but that's about the only difference. They did what I, I've not ridden this bike, but I'm assuming it's, it's got the same numbers as, as my current bike. So I have to imagine it's just as fun. They re, oriented the shock so whereas it was kind of like horizontal orientation before and now it's vertical so you can fit a water bottle inside the front triangle i know some people think that's like a stupid thing to care about but i, I just people people like riding with packs more than i do or something because i friggin hate riding with a pack so that's a big deal to me because uh, you know my current 
process. It only has a mount for a bottle on the underside of the down tube. And then your bottle is getting covered in mud and horse crap and, you know, whatever else. And I don't know, I probably lost like half a dozen bottles this year. Cause you know, if you like bump it on a log when you're hopping over or you're going down some really chunky section, you uh, get to the bottom and you're like, ah, I want to drink a water and your bottle's not there. And you know, you don't notice it because it's hanging off the bottom of your bike. Anyway. Yep. Been there. Been there, done that. Water bottle rant over. Cool. So good, good picks here as well, guys. We got, I chose the Kona Process 153. Jeff was on the Santa Cruz Nomad and Greg is rocking out on the Ibis Mojo. He somehow found a way to get on a carbon frame for 4,000 bucks. So kudos to you, Greg. All right, next category. I know none of us are big downhill riders, but hey, what the heck? This is all just uh, theoretical anyway. So for downhill bikes, I'll I'll start off with my pick. I chose the Comensal Supreme DHV 4.2. Ridden a few different Comensals, and uh, they're just good, solid bikes. They're another consumer direct sales model, so you're getting getting a lot of bike for your money. Uh, this has a, a price of. 3700 bucks. I rode it uh, this summer just very briefly up at Whistler. And you know, honestly, like I said, I don't know a ton about downhill bikes. I've ridden a Giant Glory, Santa Cruz V10, uh, Specialized Demo, and this Comensal. Probably another one or two in there that I'm forgetting about. But I just, I hopped on the Comensal and felt comfortable, like, first run down the mountain. So uh, I think there's a lot to be said for for just feeling you know, feeling that connected with the bike right away. Um, I would probably, honestly, I would probably prefer the Santa Cruz because that's the best uh, downhill bike I've ridden uh, personally, but it's out of our budget. The uh, It's a full carbon frame, so you're talking a lot more money for that thing. Uh, this thing's got a ton of travel. It's 220 millimeters of rear travel, which is actually a little more than most downhill bikes out there. And it's a 200 millimeter front, which is pretty standard. 63 degree head tube angle, super short chainstays. Pretty amazing. They got a 425 millimeter chainstays with that much travel. So yeah, and you're getting, uh, I don't have the stats on the build, but it's a solid build all around. It's a downhill bike, so you don't need anything too fancy on it. Jeff, what about you? Did you pick a downhill bike? Yeah, I'm like you. I, I don't know much at all about downhill bikes. I've ridden a few but I, honestly, I couldn't even tell you which ones they were. That's bad. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I would, since I don't know a lot, I would pick the Giant Glory 2. I, I know the name from downhill racing. The uh, Toyota Camry of downhill again, bikes. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the Toyota no. Camry. It's the number one selling car in America. That's true. For, Jeff's for got a, a garage full of Camrys. Yeah. Basically, is what we're learning today. No. I drive a Subaru, actually. <laughs> but anyway... The Glory 2 is an aluminum bike and it, the retail on it is only 3150. So you got enough money for a, a full face helmet and a set of pads. Yeah, or you know you could buy many seasons worth of lift tickets True. you know at your local resort. So yeah, it's it's a great value. Again, it's a bit Giants a big brand, so they produce in big volumes and they tend to offer pretty good bang for your buck on their bikes. And then also, you know, they're a traditional brand, and so they have a good dealer network and I would imagine good warranty service. So I'd feel good about buying a Giant Glory 2 and having fun on it. Cool. Greg, what's your pick? Honestly, the, the Coleman Sal is a pretty tough one to beat. So Aaron beat me to that one, but that's honestly what I go for on a budget. But again, we're at the extreme end of the spectrum, so if I could fudge a little bit, I might go with the base model of the new Rocky Mountain Maiden, uh, which gets you a carbon frame for 4500 bucks. So maybe on Black Friday you could get it for less than 4000 Hard to say. But a, a full carbon DH bike for 4500 is actually a pretty seriously good deal. So um, I was impressed by that. I've also recently ridden their Slayer and really loved it. And the Maiden, um, you look at it, it's a basically just a beefed up version of that Slayer. So uh, I think I could get along really well with that bike, even though I haven't ridden it yet. Also comes with some pretty solid parts, uh, RockShox Boxer RC Fork, uh, Fox Van RC Coilover Rear Shock, or might just be Coilover Rear Shock rather. Uh, but it's a good looking bike and not a bad deal for 4500 although maybe a little bit more than we want to spend. All right, cool. Uh, our last category, oh, no, no, sorry. Second to last category here is the money's no object. So this is, we've got daddy's credit card. And uh, he was like, go get yourself a really nice bike. 
So what's your what do you got? I'm interested to hear your guys' picks on this. What's your what's your dream bike, Jeff? Why don't you start this off? I chose the Santa Cruz Bronson again, maybe just because it's kind of the Toyota Camry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just... not. It's not. It's awesome. Yeah, it's like the Lexus ES300. Okay, I'm, I've graduated <laughs> to the Lexus. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a cheap bike by any means, the one that I'm looking at. You this know, is the, true. The top of the line Bronson is, you're looking at around $9,000, and there are a lot of really awesome bikes, and honestly, this was a hard one for me to just pick whatever bike I wanted. I mean, there's a lot of them out there that I would want if I had money were no object, but this one just happens to be sort of top of mind since I rode it fairly recently. But yeah, just the Santa Cruz Bronson, like I said, when I mentioned the Nomad, it's got great suspension, uh, really responsive. It's a little bit less travel, so maybe it's a little more practical bike than the Nomad for sort of the riding that I do. And I'm a bit of a weight weenie, I guess. I guess I can admit that on air. Um, and <laughs> it's okay. so the weight of the bike, it does make a difference to me. And with the Bronson, you know, you're looking at, about 27 pounds on their high-end build, which is, that's really awesome for 150 millimeters of travel. The only drawback is there's just a single water bottle mount on it. So I would probably just drill one into the down tube and then be good. <laughs> just kidding. I would not do that on a $9,000 bike. Well, the frame's not $9,000. You can get a frame for like that's three true. grand. So. That's true. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. That's a, that's a, it's a good choice. I mean, I, um, you know, I, I struggled with uh, choosing the Bronson as well. Uh, I almost did choose it for this category. It's a great bike. Uh, like I rode it in in Squamish uh, a month or so ago for uh, two or three days and put some serious miles in on it. And for me, I, you know, I know Greg Greg didn't um, particularly care for the uh, latest Bronson, but it it did it for me. Uh, I really enjoyed that bike. So, which build were you on? It was there. It was the carbon frame, but it was a lower end build. You know, I'm sure it was still a forty eight or five thousand dollar build. It was a GX Eagle drivetrain, um, a Fox thirty six, but with the grip damper. So not the not the uh, nicest like performance series Fox. Well, but probably didn't have carbon wheels, so I'm not it, interested. Uh, yeah, did not. I, yeah, it was it was hard to keep my lunch down riding <laughs> non carbon wheels. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's a great bike. Um, I thought it lived up to the hype, you know. So anyway, Greg, what'd you pick? Man, this probably choice probably changes for me, you know, depending on what month you ask me. But right now, at this point in time, I would have to choose a 2018 Scott Genius 900 tuned 29er. And now I rode the the 700 tuned like plus bike version of this, but I would personally go with the 29 inch wheels. And again, I mentioned. A little bit before, but technically this bike can either run standard 27.5, 27.5 plus, or 29. So this could, in the more affordable build, hit the trail bike category if you really want to make it happen. So there's my 27.5 trail bike choice. But I would put 29-inch wheels on this bike personally. Uh, it's got 150 mils of rear travel, and if I'm going all out, I would go for, again, the tuned build, which is $7,500. I don't think that includes carbon wheels. I'd have to double check. I'd probably do a carbon wheel upgrade push that closer to 10 grand. But at the 7,500 level, it's got a solid parts build already. I mean, it should, right? Uh, it's got a Fox 36 float with Kashima. It's got a Fox nude rear shock, the specific one developed with Scott. It's got uh, some of Scott's proprietary technology on there. X01 Eagle drivetrain. It's, it's great. Again, with 150 mil front and back and with 29 inch wheels, it weighs just 27 pounds, which I'm not a super big weight weenie, but I mean, a friggin' a, a 150 mil bike with 29er wheels for 27 pounds. I mean, that's rad. And then maybe do a carbon wheel upgrade. I mean, that's pretty incredible. I was also just really impressed with uh, some of Scott's proprietary technology. The twin lock is working better than ever. The front triangle also has a ton of room in it. So again, water bottle or even a frame bag if you want to go that route. Um, that's a big selling point for me. It's got a 65 degree head tube angle, 74.7 seat tube angle, and 438 mil chainstays. I just want to point that out because it's it's remarkably similar to the two other bikes I chose, which I didn't realize until I was doing this research. It's basically the same head tube angle seat tube as the Ibis, basically the same seat tube and chainstays as the Jeff C with a slightly slacker head tube angle because longer travel. So it's 
the, all the three of those geometries are really in line. So it's interesting to see some of those bikes hitting the same spot. So I thought that was fascinating. Nice. So I, I had a hard time in this category, as I said. There were probably three bikes in the running, honestly. One of them being the, the aforementioned Santa Cruz Bronson. The other being the pivot switchblade. And what I ended up finally choosing for this pick was the Rocky Mountain Altitude. And I the Altitude edges out the Bronson for me because I feel like it climbs a little bit better than the Bronson. And I like climbing. I like descending more, obviously, but I don't... Uh, I don't mind the don't mind the climb. So yeah, I felt like it was a more efficient climber and it didn't give up anything on the descents uh compared to the Bronson. So I would give it the slight edge. And the only reason I gave the Rocky Mountain the edge over the switchblade over the pivot is because I just rode that altitude more recently. So I I don't I rode the switchblade back in I think March. So it's been several months since I've ridden that and I rode the altitude a few different times now. So yeah. It's, uh, so I'd get the, if I was buying it, buying a complete bike, this would be the Altitude Carbon 90 model, which retails for 7,300 bucks. And like I said, it's probably the most fun bike I've ridden in 2017, right there, neck and neck with the, with the Bronson and the Switchblade. You know, they, Rocky doesn't classify it as an enduro bike, even though it has 150 rear travel and 160 front. They call it an aggressive trail bike, and I think that's as apt a title as anything. I really like the suspension platform. It climbs great, descends even better. It's got uh, adjustable geometry. It's got the Rocky's Ride 9 system, so it has nine different positions, which might be overkill, but it's nice that it's there. It's light. It's quiet. Um, you know, It's not banging around while you're descending. It's just a lot to like about it. It's a great all-around mountain bike. You know, unless you're doing like dedicated XC, this, this could really be your one bike, you know, especially with a, a baller build on it. You know, you could, you could probably get this thing, like Jeff was saying, around 27, 28 pounds, like you could for the Bronson. And then why not? You just ride that bike everywhere. The stock spec on this is pretty close to what I'd run. But, uh, if money really was no object, like we said, I'd, I'd just buy a bare frame and do a complete custom build. I'd go with, Fox suspension, front and rear, do a SRAM Eagle drivetrain, some race face carbon cranks and bar on there, race face stem, a bike yoke revive dropper post, because that's the most uh, reliable dropper post I've ridden to date. I'd go with some Reynolds carbon wheels with some Industry 9 hubs, and uh, I'm sure all that stuff would would push the price above our $7,300, well, Rocky's $7,300 retail price for the Altitude Carbon 90, but hey. It's dad's money. We don't care, right? Okay, cool. So we got uh, got some really cool bikes on this list, guys. Our final category is a budget. So this is under $1,500. So I think this is, you know, that's still a lot of money for a lot of people. But I think if you're a dedicated mountain biker, you've been doing it for a while, most of us would probably think, you know, $1,000 to $1,500 is where you can really start to get a good quality mountain bike where things aren't going to be breaking on you left and right as soon as you get the bike and you're not going to necessarily be itching to upgrade as soon as you get it home. So what did you guys pick for your under $1,500 bike? You know, buying a budget bike is honestly a little bit more complicated than buying a really nice bike because there's a bunch of ways you could get a good bike. So I'd probably start by heading down to my shop, see if they give me a good deal on something. Depending on how that turned out, you know, I might go from there. But based on just stats online, uh, I'd probably go with the Moto Bikane Lurch FS Fat Bike. Again, you know, I'm sticking with the hardtail and the fat bike because uh, we're working on a budget, and I feel like that's going to give you pretty good uh, versatility and uh, you know all your long riding uh, on those fat tire wheels. But the Moto Bikane at 1,300 bucks is a pretty solid build. It's got a chromoly steel frame, which I might like an alloy frame, but you know, it depends on what you like. Uh, Moto Bikane has almost every permutation of bike available, so check out some of their other ones too. But at that $1,300 price, you get a 120 mil travel Bluto suspension fork and full fat uh, Maxxis 26 by 4.8 inch tires, um, plus pretty solid mechanical disc brakes from Avid and SRAM GX 2x10 drivetrain. So that seems like a pretty solid bike for 1300 bucks to me and is the kind of bike you could literally ride all year long and for many years. So I think that could serve you well. Another fat bike pick. I'm surprised to see so many fat bikes on this list. Um, Jeff, what was your choice? 
Yeah, well, I I want to first add to what Greg said about the Moto Bikane. I also tested a Moto Bikane uh, Night Train, I think was the name of the bike, which was a fat bike with uh, Bluto on it. And yeah, it was a great bike. I really had a lot of fun on it. And it was definitely one that I could see myself owning, uh, especially at that price. It's a really good price. So for me, I picked the Marin Pine Mountain, which I think... Some of our Aaron, I think you reviewed that bike actually. I did, yeah. The, I, the higher spec version of the bike. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I threw a leg over it uh, for a little bit, and you know, it's it's a great price. It's thirteen hundred bucks. You get a one by eleven drivetrain. This is a plus bike, so you get twenty seven five plus tires, which a lot of people are really gravitating toward. And it's a steel frame, which I kind of like. You know, it's kind of retro, and if it's done right, it can be a little bit more forgiving than an aluminum frame. And it's got specced with a 120 millimeter fork on it, which is pretty cool for a hardtail. Um, you know, most come with like a 100 mil or shoot even 80 mil. So this is a slightly more aggressive hardtail and it's a really good price. I think it's also worth noting that when we get this question, Aaron mentioned it at the beginning of the show that people ask us all the time, which bike should I get? I would say half of those questions are people who are looking to spend something like 1500 bucks or less. Um, so this, this is a really important category for a lot of us. And even if, you know, you've got a little bit more money than that, a lot of people too might choose to buy, you know, they might want a fat bike and, but they also want a, you know, full suspension bike. So, you know, this category is, it's a good place to play around, I guess is what I'm saying. Like if you're looking to add a bike to your quiver, there's some decent, bikes you can get for under 1500 bucks. So I'm glad we're including it. Yeah. I'd agree with uh, Greg when he said that this is, this is a, a, a difficult category because there's a lot of things you can take into consideration. You, know, you can talk about the frame material, you know, hardtail versus full suspension. Um, there's, there's just a ton of bikes in this category. So yeah, it was a tough pick for me. I initially looked at the Salsa Timberjack. It's a 27 plus hardtail as an option. Then I looked at the geometry and it's kind of a little too, a little too XC for my taste. It's still got a, it's specced with a 120 mil fork, but it still has a pretty steep, uh, head tube angle. So I wasn't really jazzed on the Geo. Um, so I looked, uh, I looked at that one too, actually. Yeah. yeah. The Timberjack. I thought I would like it, but. No. Yeah, and honestly, I mean the uh the one that would be in our price range is fourteen hundred bucks and I mean the the build on it was not that impressive. Um, you know, especially for I I think you know, Salsa used to have kind of more of a reputation for value, but uh I mean they do offer a lot of price points, but then also when you start like you know, scratching below the surface you see that maybe there's there's better better deals to be had for the money out there. Anyway, nothing, nothing against salsa. They make some cool bikes. Um, I've got a, I've got a salsa at home. So, um, actually two salsas. Mm, bring the tortilla chips. Yeah. I have a salsa, uh, rojo and a salsa naranja. So yeah, a red one and an orange one. So your Spanish lesson for today. I know we tried not to double up on brands, um, here, uh, for our list, but I, uh, I think I'd go with the specialized Fuse Comp 6 Fatty. Uh, this is a plus bike as well. It's got that really stupid six fatty moniker that they insist on using still. Um, it's, it's a plus bike. It's got 120 mil fork. So, you know, same as the Timberjack there, but it's, uh, it's got better trail geometry in my opinion. A little, little more raked out front end, which is going to help you on the descents. It's 1500 bucks, so it's right at our, our price limit for this. So that's $100 more than the Timberjack. But for that money, you're getting a nicer fork and you get a dropper post. So that's, I mean, for 100 bucks more, I mean, that seems like a no-brainer. Um, to Because, you know, the Timberjack doesn't have a dropper post at all, and it's got a recon air fork, which is not a bad fork by any means. But, yeah, the, the Specialized, probably with their purchasing power again, they're able to spec a dropper and a nicer fork for just a hundred bucks more. Um, what did you say the head tube angle is on that? Did you say? I did not. I, th- I think on the specialized it's 67 or 67.5 and it was like 68.5 on the salsa. So yeah, the pine mountains, I think it was 69, which is, that's way too steep. Yeah. But So yeah, you know, I think it just, 
I'm not the biggest fan of of plus. I think they they tend to work better on hardtails, so I that's why I, I went with a plus bike for this. As you notice, none of my other picks had chubby or fat wheels on them. But I will say the one other thing, um, if you could scrape together another 150 bucks, you could get a specialized camber 29, and that is a full suspension, and that's a pretty good deal. Uh, for 1650, you get a full suspension. It's got a two by ten drivetrain. You know nothing fancy on the component side of things, but yeah, it's a it's a solid trail bike for you know 1600 bucks. So cool. Well, I think that's our list. All these picks that we've gone through. Hopefully, you guys have found it interesting or at least enjoyable to hear what uh, we would personally ride if someone gave us money to. Just want to remind you guys, if you're enjoying the podcast, please go on iTunes and rate us so more people will find the Single Tracks podcast and listen to us and we can continue with our plan of world domination. <laughs> we were on track and we want to stay on track, so we need your help. Also, if you like these picks, we're doing uh, our weekly product picks email. Um, so this uh, is an email we send out every week, and it'll have different gear that is either a good deal or we think is cool or stuff we've tried and really liked, and uh, hopefully you will too. So go to singletracks.com, sign up for our email newsletter and our product picks email, and you'll get those in your inbox. And finally, we want to thank the sponsor this week again. is Health IQ. If you want to learn more about Health IQ, go to healthiq.com slash singletracks and enter the promo code singletracks. That's all we've got for this episode. We'll catch you next week on the Singletracks podcast. Tracks podcast.